Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a podcast from The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. Hello, I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and welcome to The Game Podcast, the podcast that never for a single second just assumed that Manchester City would walk to the title. I'm joined by an elite panel of great football minds. It's Mr. Tony Evans making a triumphant comeback, Mr. James Ducker up somewhere in the Northwest, and of course, Rory K. Smith. Later on, I'll be asking, uh, do the FA actually know exactly what they're doing? But we're actually going to do this in a constructive way, not a critical way this week. But first of all, let's start out in Wales. Okay, Tony, Swansea and, uh, and Manchester City, we, we knew Swansea were good. We knew they were capable of good results. Um, Maybe we didn't really expect them to go and take all three points against City, did we? Well, I mean, you expect them to run a good show, but you'd think City have got the squad and you think they've got the power and the strength to have to have beaten them. I couldn't believe the way City played, to be honest. I mean, they let them have the ball in the midfield. They let them pass it around. They never pressed them. Um, they let them get wide behind them. I thought it was a really poor performance from City. It's, um, I, I, I was shocked, really. The, seems, the conviction seems to be draining from them. And, you know, it's, um, it, it does... Just worry you, you know, when you, especially when there's uh, Mika Richards after the game, is, is sort of making comments like, you know, it's a, it'll be her catching United. You know, I mean, this is a team that should be ten points clear. Yeah, James, I want to ask you about that Richards comment because I, I know, obviously, you know, we in the media are horrible and petty, and sometimes people uh, after games have like throwaway comments and they get misinterpreted, but. I mean, I don't know if, if you were there for, for when, when when Richards made that statement, but I, I any, did. Um, I did. Uh, I was at United yesterday, Gab. Okay, so you weren't. But did anybody point out to him, to your knowledge, that you're one point back and you have the head-to-head against Manchester United, which means that, very simply put, if you simply do your job and win all your games, you will win the title, and there's absolutely nothing that even Sir Alex Ferguson can do about it. I'm sure. Um I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. I'll be amazed if some of the guys didn't um, didn't put that to um, to him. Um, and it's quite. It's, it's funny, Mike. He kind of. Um, it's almost like stream of consciousness when you're talking to him. He just kind of blurts things out often without really putting too um, too much thought into it. It's often why you can 
come across as quite outspoken or maybe saying things that he, he probably truly doesn't mean. But I think Tony's point about kind of conviction is quite good. Um, you know, we, we can't escape the fact that they've got 66 points, United have got 67. If, you know, if both win, you know, most of their games, they're, 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 they're potentially on course to set Premier League record for points hauls it's it's kind of remarkable really so I'm I'm loath to be overly kind of critical of City and they, ha- they played badly and lost one game and I think they won the previous been there. James the Premier League record I think I, I've heard a lot of people talk about this breaking the, the, the record I believe the record is 95 points is that yeah. right so I think it's mathematically impossible for both of them to pass that no, no, mark. No, no, no. I mean, but it's extremely unlikely that, uh, that either one yeah, will, because they're, they're not very I mean, good I mean teams, are the they? Other. I mean, one or the other. One, okay, but James. One, one of them has, the, has a strong chance to break Chelsea's 95 points all. You think, do you, do you, okay, can I take a step back here? Roy, I want you on this. All season long, we've been saying about how United aren't very good and City aren't playing to their full potential. If they really do have a chance to break the, the the record that was set by Chelsea, what is it? Does this say anything about the league this year, and that maybe it's just a season to forget? I think there's a there's a lot of teams from about third downwards who aren't very good. To be honest, it, it seems when Chelsea set that was that 2005 or 2006 that Chelsea set that mark. It was 2000, the first Mourinho's first season, wasn't it? I think it was the second season. It was the second season. But you, you had a, a, you know, you had a United, obviously, was slightly in transition, but a decent side. You had Arsenal, who was who had won something within living memory. You had Liverpool, who were winning the FA Cup, the champions of Europe. You had a strong lead. Now, I think if you look at it, you have to assume that City, who've not really sort of clicked into gear, particularly since sort of November, being top hasn't suited them. United, who aren't aren't as strong as they used to be but I think we start we have to start admitting now that United are a really good team they're not not great individuals they're well, not they're not what they used to be but they look at the look at their their run of form it's incredible they are a good team we'll get we'll, we'll get to United in a minute um on on city it's it struck me though I mean we read into this that the confidence is, is ebbing and, and stuff like this if I were to be a little bit contrarian I might point out that Swansea played extremely well yeah um and uh, Savage, in the end, it was an individual mistake. It was, it was Savage who's not good and shouldn't have been starting because, you know, and would have been starting if, if Lescott and company had been fit. And Colatore is not that good either. Um, but they responsible for conceding a goal, and otherwise they would have won that game. Or is that viewing the world through Mancini-coloured glasses? Think I was about to say, you know, is this a, a Mancini colour? It's, um, you know, the fact is, they give away a penalty, a penalty was missed. Swansea had good chances. Aside from a concerted spell of pressure just before half time and a little bit in the second half, it, you know, City didn't look like winning that game. And, you know, the players that City have got on that pitch are good players. It's a good squad. You know, it's a, yeah, Savage isn't great. But, you know, the rest of them should have been able to Dispatch um, Swansea as good as Swansea are. It, w- it was a lazy performance. It was a, 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 a tactically naive performance, and um, and I just it, it just looks as if 
this this team should be ten points clear at the top of the league. They, they've got better players than United. I think United are that bad. I don't think United are very good at all. I think I think uh, uh, Bill Bayo showed up United for how good they are. <laughs> but you know what? What this has proven, and I've been saying this now for three years on this this podcast, is what we, we've seen how great a manager Ferguson is in the last three years, and it, it's less about winning trebles as the force of will in dragging this mediocre squad by Manchester United standards to the top of the league and to, to, to European Cup finals and um, you know it's, it's one of those things you imagine what he'd do if he had City squad they should, Tony you say about 10 points clear though but you know you can't escape the fact that whatever United's supposed limitations might be as they have got a fantastic points haul they've lost three games and they've drawn four you know, I mean, with the best will in the world, City are never going to be ten points ahead of ahead of um, ahead of United. I mean, they've they've won all fourteen games at home, City. Gareth Barry coming off you know, in the first half, and I believe he threw a bit of a, of a hissy fit. I, Tucker, I appreciate you weren't there, but um, you were you were closer than, uh, um, and you are closer to Gareth Barry right now than any of us. Um, not in biblical terms, of course, but sitting on his knee. <laughs> um, it's kind of unlike. It looked it looked like he kind of threw a bit of a, a bit of a hissy fit. Certainly wasn't very happy um, in in talking to in seeing David Platt's face. Um, not that it's not perhaps a normal reaction, but um, it's unlike him, isn't it? Very unlike him. I mean, yeah, he's um, he's a teacher's pet, isn't he? According to Jerry Barton. Um, the he is a consummate professional. You speak to Gareth Barry, and he's very, very careful not to talk out of turn. Um, you know, I'm sure, privately, he's um, a bit of a has stronger words to say. But uh, he, he, you very, very, very rarely see a show of dissent from Gareth Barry publicly, and I think he was just both missed and angered. That um, I think you know when he probably probably sees Nasri staying on the pitch, then. You know he's um, he, he, he might have cause to be um, to be upset, but I don't think it was particularly um, particularly kind of helpful. Uh, equally, you know, Maya Mancini for I mean, obviously he didn't come off, and it might have been the wrong player to come off, but I don't quite understand what's this issue that people have with a manager hauling a player off after half an hour or thirty-seven minutes or whatever it was in this case. I mean. It's an admission that things aren't working and that something's got to give, something's got to change. And he's bold enough to, good at that, hasn't he? To, yeah. make, to make that move. I, it didn't work in this case, but Christ, I mean, the number of times managers like Mancini or you know, Mourinho or whatever have, have, made, have, have, have done things like that and it has paid off. Um, you know, I'm sure he'll continue to do it, but I don't know if Barry was the right um, uh, person to go up. You know, particularly when you see the kind of see how Swansea's midfield has performed. To me, the, the, the manager taking a player off after half an hour, 37 minutes, is just an admission that the manager's got it wrong. It's nothing to do with the player. It's understandable that Barry has a strop because he's coming off in the first half and that's quite embarrassing for a footballer. Well, that may be the case, but, but, the, the, but the point is, though, is that if, if it's not working, though, surely Barry, you would... Oh, the manager has say, to change it, but yeah. it, it, reflects, it reflects worse. On, in, in those circumstances, it's always, you know, the player's had a, had a strop, blah, 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 and that's bad, but it's the manager who should be criticised because they've obviously made a, made a mistake yeah, but tactically. the manager can also be commended for not standing by his mistake in trying yeah. 
yeah, threatened yeah, by that's it. That's true, yeah. I think it's nice to see that, you know, City is such a happy camp at the moment, you know, because Carlito's back and, yeah. you know, it's fun for everyone. Okay, so I, I want to ask, ask about that because, uh, uh, and, and, and James, you can wrap up our little City segment here uh, on this point because he, he played in a reserve game, he scored a goal. I have no idea. I. Black, well, actually, I last watched the reserve game in November, and it was horrible. Uh, but it wasn't City. I'm sure City's reserve games are, are better. But I don't know what you can learn from that. Um, are they? Does he look like he can come back this season and and actually contribute? And is it something Mancini is considering, and should he consider it? I think he is considering it um, most definitely. And. As um, as Jaco continues to labour and and they're struggling for goals away from home, then I think it will become an even greater consideration. I don't think he he really wants to have to play Tevez. Um, he's kind of been quite deeply hurt, Mancini, by some of the things that have have happened. Particularly that TV interview um, really put Mancini's back up. But I think if it's a case of playing Tevez and potentially having a better chance of winning the league you know or not then you know he's going to play him I mean they they've got another the the elite development squad I'll refer to it in its correct name they've got a game in Holland on Wednesday um suggestion is that Tevez might actually stay back in train all week at Carrington and you've got to wonder whether there's there's one eye on trying to involve him in the squad for the Chelsea game on Wednesday week Elite development squad projects. I'm going to run a rampage. It used to be football. I know, I know. I just put that in there because I know it'd annoy you, Tony. <laughs> just, you know, I, I, honestly, you know, it's, a, I, I, it's a, if I run a mock and go mad today, I'm blaming you and your elite development squad <laughs> and Man City. <laughs> to be fair, Tony, there's always a slight risk you're going to run a mock and on any, on any given day. Um, speaking of uh, elite development squads, um, Swansea, uh, somebody made a crack that you know, oh, they're look, they're an elite development squad for everybody else. When people go and snap up Allen and Sinclair and all those guys, but. Um, just want to get a word on them. We've, we've played Brendan Rodgers to high heaven. Uh, Tony, you've spent some time with him in the past. He's come out and he's said that he's effectively, I think, ruled himself out of the Chelsea job. I don't know mm. to what degree it was in contentions. Maybe he should have been. Um, does it, does it, A, could you see him at a Chelsea type club at some point? And B, does it make sense to rule yourself out so early? I mean, you don't know what they're offering you. I could see him at a big club. Um, it makes sense to turn down Chelsea at the moment because that's possibly the most dysfunctional club that ever existed. And while, while Chelsea, while Chelsea are there, Manchester City and Mancini can feel good about themselves because it's a, it, it's a picture of harmony and sanity. Um, yeah, the right thing to do is not go to Chelsea. He's establishing his credentials, which will get him a, a very good club in the not-too-distant future. Um, you know, he, he's, his, his career's had its setbacks, you know, Watford, but, you know, he's... Um, Did you speak... Why was he so bad at Watford? Uh, well, again, it was another club with, with problems behind the scenes. They have the, the, the owner who's slightly... Yeah, you know, he, he, he's, he's shown, shown his abilities in a stable environment down there, and he's got players doing, doing simple things, doing good things. And I think... I'd, I'm hoping that he'll go on to be a stir in, um, you know, in, in managerial terms. Do you think, Tony, I think that if Wenger in, in the next few years, you know, decides to move on or whatever happens, I, I look at 
I look at Brendan Rodgers and I just think he'd be the perfect fit for Arsenal. That's a good call. Uh, assuming, you know, obviously Gab, you know, it is still, like you say, it's still early early stage in his, in his managerial career and we really have to hope he kind of continues on this upward curve. But I just look at his philosophy, his approach, his dignity, the way he handles himself. And I just, I just think that he, he would, sit, you know, fit well at a, a stable, well-run club with a with mm. a very kind of rich footballing ethos. The other factor is that but Swansea, his his ideas fell on fertile ground as the, the groundwork Martinez had done yeah. beforehand. So he didn't. And Paulo Sosa, not just and Paulo Sosa, yeah. yeah. So there wasn't. He didn't. He wasn't. Very the only, handsome one too. He wasn't. He's a very handsome man, Paulo. Isn't he a handsome man, Gab? Um, the uh, he he didn't have to. Um, he didn't have to sort of persuade players who used to sort of hit and hope to play one-touch football. So. Arsenal would fit. That's the that's the Barcelona model that you that you bring in a first team manager who fits the club's ethos. So he he fits Rogers at, at Arsenal. But then having said that, I can't see see Wenger going anywhere uh, in the right, future. Well, and digressing on Wenger, but yeah, I, I was going to say the other thing is that in terms of the players at Swansea, they, they might like to remember the sort of the many many cautionary tales of players who've left clubs where they do very well and go to other teams where they just they, they sink rather than swim because players often fit a certain club, not other. So Joe we've, Allen, we, we've just discussed this before that I think it's a, it's a system uh, no I think we're in agreement Good. on this that is, you know, it's very much a system and yeah. I think apart from Joe Allen and perhaps one or two others I don't know how well these guys would do would do with other clubs um, but I we have to talk to uh, talk about Manchester United because um, you know I think we've it's a fair few minutes into this podcast and we haven't paid our any our respects to to United Tucker you were there what, what struck me about this game was that I I could be wrong, but I haven't seen him use the, um, the that Welbeck, Young, Hernandez, Rooney combination before. With certainly, not, obviously, not with with Scholes um, behind. Um, is is this something? Is this sort of the, the hyper attacking United? Or might we see more of this uh, yeah, uh, and I less of know, Nani? I, mean, I don't. In terms of the four of them, Gab, I'm not sure. I know it was the second time, only, only the second time this season that. Welbeck, Rooney, and Hernandez have started in tandem. Um, it might, in such, it might only be like the second or, or possibly the first time that, that the four have played together. I mean, look, you know, if you'd have played those four against Athletic Bilbao, I'm sure, I'm sure they'd have been picked off, and Bilbao would have run riot over um, over United's midfield. But at home again, I mean, I know West Brom have, have had a, a good run of late, but. You know there are certain ta- certain teams that Ferguson will play at home against certain opposition. He's never going to play those four in tandem against a Man City or a you know a leading or middling light in Europe. Um, the thing Tony. is, the thing is, you know, Ferguson thought about it. He thought she'll try this against the dustbins or West Brom. Now West Brom will be easier. <laughs> you know, it's um, you know, isn't Roy Hodgson one of the founding members of the Old Trafford Wine Club? So, so he, are you saying he's the new Steve Bruce? Stop it now. He mm. is. Roy Hodgson is one of Europe's leading coaches, Tony, and I, th- I think you need to remember that. I think we need to discuss him as such. Um, they're playing opposition. United can play who they like at home against teams like that. They're not going to score. They're not going to. They're not going to win. Why? Well, what, uh, uh, Ducker, are you are you with these two sort of you know negative Nellies here? That uh, is is West Brom. I mean, what, why should West Brom go in line? Did they lie down for United? Are, are they being unkind? Uh, they, they, they actually um, they actually played very well for the first 25 ha. minutes and 
Malumbu, um, Keith Andrews, and James Morrison in central midfield um, were, were had far the better of Carrick and Skulls. I mean, Skulls was, was very erratic for those first twenty minutes, and they missed a terrific chance after I think it was after about five minutes when Andrews kind of volleyed wide from about six yards out. I mean, if that had you know that had gone in, and, and invariably you know there's lesser teams you, you do need to take chances at Old Trafford. If that had gone in, it would have been. Um, it would have obviously been interesting to see what happened, but it just kind of the, it just they just faded really after the first half hour or so when Carrick and Skulls had you know a far easier time um, of it than they should have been. I mean, I, I, I just think that that central midfield um, you know is 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 ripe for exploitation. And if you look at those teams that have had joy against United this season, they've they've tried to play the big man through the middle and kind of pack pack the midfield and Newcastle Blackburn you know all did, did that very very well um, but I don't know they did I mean the moment kind of Rooney's goal went in it, it, it the just result looked inevitable really it was a bit of a shame Tony uh you say that the uh, Ducker just said that that midfield uh, Carrick's goals was ripe for exploitation. Um, I look at the other central midfielders who are you know available to him or guys who can play there, and it's you know Giggs, who's obviously older than Scholes and, and you know, can really only play once a week. Um, obviously Fletcher's out with his uh, with his problem. Uh, uh, Jones, when he's played in midfield, has been up and down. Cleverly's injured. Are they actually like a? Oh, I guess there's Anderson in the mix as well. If, if that's your, uh, your well, that's your bag of things. Well, so. But he's yeah. A, could they actually? Are they actually an injury away from a big, big problem there? I think it's a big, big problem now. It's not a very good midfield. You know, the cupboard's bare. You know, it's uh, good teams will beat United and they'll beat them in midfields. Uh, fr- frankly, I don't know how at the top of the league with that midfield. <laughs> so if good teams, so right, just to wrap this up, if good teams, if using the Evans theorem, if good teams beat United and United are top of the league and only three teams have beaten United all season, there are not the very league many good teams. is crap. Uh, yeah, I think um, we can agree on that. I think United are so attuned to um, to being successful in the Premier League they just they know how to win they've done it time and again they're very very comfortable there I personally think the kind of the, 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 the clear indication of where this team is is, is being shown in Europe when they have lost not not to the elite teams they've lost to good but still what you'd consider maybe middling European teams in um, or lost or drawn in, in Basel Benfica Athletic Bilbao um you know, and and you know, and Ajax, um, and and I just think, you know, they often play three in midfield, and Fergie's just got this compulsion still to four four two, and and um, and they've often been overrun, um, and you know, you saw that again City as well in um, in October, um, but uh, but he's but but he has had he has had bad injuries in, the, in, in in that kind of midfield department but I still don't think that even if he had a full roster of players that you know they're good enough to, the, play, the, just, these to, are players. Just to play just two in there they need to play three in the, there really. the, Tony. these are players that five years ago would have been seen as squad players for United you know it's not it, I, and I think this is, you know, I, I think there's a bigger issue here with United, is that while as, as, a, as a club and a business they've made massive profits, it's all gone to service and glaze of debt and hasn't been reinvested in that squad. And where it's shown most visibly is in that. 
a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It feels. I think, like, you know, next if you keep this up, next thing you're going to want is, is is fans having a say in the way clubs are run and, and then perhaps even like supporters trust and other weirdo, like inappropriate things like that. Roy, um, Roy Hodgson, and, and to be fair, uh, he might have been misquoted by the evil media. I, I saw some quotes that said that he's, you know, he might be amenable to the England job <laughs> if offered. Stop <laughs> laughing. Um, but first of all, I'm assuming he didn't receive the letter that Fergie and uh, supposedly Steve Keane also received. But secondly, uh, maybe just send it to the Scots. Might it actually make sense from West Brom's perspective, given that, you know, been the two years, he's stabilized, he's, he's not getting any younger, the team's well organized. Maybe they should be looking for, you know, thank him and say goodbye. And uh, possibly. I think West Brom have got that, that structure in place that means that the manager changes, but the Dan Ashworth, the, exactly. the, the director of football, sort of maintains sort of an oversight of it. So they, they'd probably be okay. I think you, if you look at Fulham. Uh, leaving Liverpool aside that was obviously a job that Hodgson was totally out of his depth with but if you look at Fulham he tends to leave very well organised sides that tend to kind of keep themselves ticking over for a while and I think from England's point of view it makes sense as well he's got a proven track record with minor nations he got Switzerland to the World Cup now, now you're dissing England you know and Ducker, I think a very Ducker. similar level of football probably start, right. I mean who, who of England right. who's anywhere near as good as Stefan Shepuisa no one alright Ducker I'm going to give you the last words on this I'm not even going to bother asking Tony his opinion here because he's, he's, you know, he's anti-English as well um, you're the biggest England fan here well, what, Gab why do you think this what? Why do you think I'm a big England fan? Because you must be more of an England fan <laughs> than, 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 than the Scouse and and and, 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 and yeah, the yeah, honestly, I and just the, I just and totally, the RG. T- totally turned off by England. I'm just totally right. I, I, honestly. Okay. I, I'm right. I will really go in and I will I will take responsibility for this because I, I am clearly the big, biggest England fan here, um, which is that I think if. Harry Redknapp doesn't take the job. Uh, oh, no, I'm speculating about things. Right, more of this later. Um, 
I think in short term, it's really, it might not be a bad idea for West Brom to usher Hodgson out because they have to plan for the future You know, at some point, and they do have the structure in place. And obviously, Roy's not getting any younger. Um, Hodgson is interim boss for the Euros and then Redknapp to take over afterwards because he doesn't walk into a um, well, walk into a team with Wilshire coming back from injury and Rooney suspended and you know no time to prepare. Might not be entirely absurd. Okay, now... Um, in our debate this week, we are not trying to deliberately flout the uh, uh, diktats and edicts uh, that, that come from the folks within Wembley Stadium, which would be the FA, but uh, we're going to take a look at the way that they're uh, um, the, the, the way that they're recruiting the new England boss. We will not speculate because we're not allowed to spec- to speculate. It is fair Bolton, um, but I want to throw out to you a few basic questions. Right, I'm only going to take part in this conversation, this discussion, if I can have a musical instrument. We're in a studio. Like, you know, let, you know we want to live, we want to give it a bit of bounce, we want to give it a bit of je ne sais quoi. And talking about England managers' recruitment, there's not got any je ne sais quoi. I have a maraca. Yes, of course. Uh, um, Rory K. Spath, who tends to go and emulate whatever the bigger boys do, uh, I can just, just let the record reflect that Tony went and got some sort of cowbell. And... Um, Okay. Yeah, I don't know that we are uh, licensed for uh, music on this podcast, we, so we, please. We, we, we are more entertaining than the England bands. <laughs> Ducker, I'm going to start with you while the children calm down here. Um, let's imagine you're one of those consultant types brought in by the FA, because I'm sure they haven't brought in enough of them. Um, if you were to indicate what the right process should be for the to, to approach an England boss, or a potential future England boss. Hypothetically, where would you where would you begin? I mean, do, would you ring up the agent? Would you rely on personal relationships, or is it as somebody once said of Alex Horn, he doesn't know anybody and nobody knows him? I would say that um, it is ludicrous employing a recruitment agency to try and recruit a football manager because the industry, the football industry, is unlike any other, and you cannot apply the same models and practices that you do if you're searching, I don't know, for an accountant or a lawyer or oh, Wait, 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 whatever. Ducker, Ducker, Aston Villa. Ducker, Aston Villa employed a recruitment agency, a headhunting firm, right? And yeah, they, they, just, they ended up with Jared Houllier. There's loads of clubs that do. I'm not, saying that, I'm not saying that they don't. I'm just saying that it is... Um, you're getting non-footballing people trying okay, to make Okay, so you're, you're a football decisions. person. You like football. You write about football. You watch a lot of football. You played football. How would you? What would you do? How would you go about doing it? What with regards to England? Yes. Um, Pretend you're English. I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's a, it, they're in a they're in a very curious situation whereby they've got a major tournament, and I think someone needs to make a decision. Do we look to appoint a full-time guy? Or do we appoint an interim? What would you and decide? They need, they, they need to. They should have made that decision by now. I just don't. I don't think dragging this kind of process out until the end of the season is really going to benefit, benefit benefits anyone. I don't think if they. I don't know if they appoint someone at the end of May on a permanent basis. I'm not really sure that's 
what were the major tournament two weeks away I just that's think, the I'm best way to go but right. I, I don't, I, honestly I think whatever they do I, I literally do think they are between a rock and a hard place I know he's sitting on the okay. fence but I, I just I All don't right. really see you do not have a future as a consultant because you have to come up with, with strong answers and say them forcefully and raise your voice and shout when you do it and, and charge yeah. lots of money I'm a fail I'm, I'm going to admit complete failure exactly. on that point I think we all know that that in football when a manager's appointment or a player is appointed or a player is signed that the idea that it just happens is completely ridiculous the managers all wait, wait no no hang on Roy don't they send a letter saying like I would uh, asking their employer like I request permission to speak to so and so and then they wait for the letter to come back via registered post and is that not how it works I, I mean I would hope they're sending at least faxes <laughs> football works on faxes Gab exactly. we all know that no, I can't believe that the FA will we'll let it get to May and then suddenly think right do you know what we've got these finals coming up we probably need, need some fella in charge that they should be making those phone calls now it's a simple matter they obviously want Redknapp ring him ring his agent ask him if he's interested I'm sure he'd say yes he's made it clear he wants to hear what they're going to say he seems to be the u- unanimous choice and if we're honest there's nobody else there's what Hodgson is another option you're speculating about the England manager now we've been we've been banned from doing that so stop Fine. There's, there are no decent English managers of. of Wait, so you can only speculate ones. if you have factual information. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I, I can hear a cowbell <laughs> in the distance across the Swiss cantons. There's a yodeling voice. It's Roy. He's going to be England manager. I, that, that's well, how stupid this whole thing is Right Here's what they do Here's the recruitment policy Here's the recruitment policy What they do Is they go Oh yeah we'll think about this We'll employ loads of people We'll spend loads of money And then they'll go for the flavour of the month The flavour of the month is Harry Get the flavour of the month in there And send Harry With our boys to the Ukraine Victory You know But you, you joke about this But I mean, Do you imagine that if, if, if they do go down To the more patriotic uh, route Should we be concerned At the prospect of Stuart Pierce Dyeing his hair black And growing a little moustache <laughs> given his new haircut I, I would have thought he'll overeat get chunky cigar and talk about biting people on the features you've got to bear in mind when, when you get into the sort of the side parting as power haircut destruction you've yeah. got Tony Evans here who has a side parting can't we just abandon the England team altogether okay, uh, we, we did say we were going to be constructive about this I, I don't understand we, we raise the white flag at every tournament anyway but so that's not really true you're being so negative expensive. I mean you don't necessarily need to lose every time you play. Look, okay, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a different example, right? And especially mm. if you know we've got, you know, we've got Rory here, Spain, right? Mm. You like Spain? You're, you, I love, I, it, I, yeah, I just love, love the paella. Room, no rumor is that you're uh, you're looking at Spain and youth development. There you go. But talking in Spain, we got Maracas. Okay, exactly. so Spain were Sound perennial effects. rubbish underachievers, who you know they, they tried different options with uh, with their managers. They appointed expensive ones. They appointed cheap ones, foreign ones, racist ones. Yeah. Okay. Yes, you have to open that kind of worms. Um, but and then all of a sudden they went and I'm sure there were sort of negative like Spanish ducker types who's like we're rubbish we're never going to win anything let's raise the right flag right but they won and, and they were pretty good now yeah you can't you can't give up on England there will come a point just by the law of averages in which when England aren't inept but I think James is right that maybe we're not looking at at the bigger picture generally we need to think less about who the manager is and getting Harry in as we all think he's great and we all you know he plays this lovely football although he doesn't and that's, his team's collapse in March constantly stop it 
and maybe think about the players we're producing and how that's going to work. Maybe we don't. Maybe yeah, you do just get someone in who get you through Euro twenty twelve. Maybe Stuart Pearce with his with his power side parting isn't a bad bet because they're not going to win it. They're not going to win the World twenty fourteen World Cup as Brazil are. They're probably not going to win the twenty sixteen World Euros because they don't have any decent players. Start looking towards the future. That's what England have. But to they be. have it's, been looking. It's a, good, it's a good point, Rory. I mean, what what's quite interesting is we we you know traditionally have have all I know there's been slight variations on it but we've traditionally always played four four two and the the guy who's the firm favourite to um potentially get the job is a huge advocate of four four two. And I just wonder whether they need to start thinking more about like you say the players, the formations, l- looking at what we've got and how we can maybe go forward rather than thinking that oh the manager's the so, so well, what you're suggesting the is like solution. They need a manager? Well, exactly. I know who needs right, one. I'm, I'm the captain. No, but they need, they need I, a holistic manager. They need someone who's going to look at things in depth over the next five, ten years. Okay, but, you don't but what's think the point of a manager? So, okay, okay. I'm going to take like, a few steps back here. Right. First of all, right. A manager manages the team. Right? He's the England coach, actually. Correct. Right. So, how are you going to expect him to be like? Oh, I need to worry about what's going to happen you know in 10 years time with England when no national team manager lasts 10 years that's point number one number two I believe they do have a technical director um, the, the, the Trevor Brooking has a job and Gareth Southgate has a job and we've heard if Flansley were here and um, he would tell us about their new centre uh, was it Burton where, where they've got mm. this big library and lots of playing fields and a hotel and stuff like that and how that's geared towards improving coaching I was told by somebody else I really rate that there's a probably none of you know who she is because none of you like England but there's there's a young lady who comes from the her background's in, in a different sport and she's in charge of training the FA coaches or she's got some other role that she's very very sharp and she's recruiting people to it so somebody at the FA, probably not Bernstein because he only rocked up very recently, but somebody at the FA a few years ago did put some of these wheels into motion. And when we talk about producing players, you know, ultimately the clubs do that. If anything, maybe it's about producing coaches, but you can't say they haven't put resources into this thing in Burton, they at least have. according to, to Lansley. They have, and there's the, the, the fact they're making some effort is praiseworthy. The problem with the FA and with English and football that, in general... And before that, you had Wilkinson in his white paper the problem set up the academies. With the FA and English football in general is that we, we change things left, right and centre depending on who else is winning. So now we have the coach and the coach's system, which is basically an attempt to try and get the Lamazia thing writ, writ large over English football. Burton was meant to be Clairefontaine as the French had just won the World Cup. At some yeah. point, they'll come up with the, with the same, with the same that, system had, as Germany. The Ajax Academy. Yeah, exactly. No. It keeps changing. We need to someone well, somewhere needs to guide you do football. Is you get lucky with a bunch of players who come together at the same time, a generation, and you know, and that's uh, and of course we had the in in England the golden generation, and uh, yeah, right. They may yet win something. This There's is more sort of a potassium generation. All right, stop it. I'm just to, to wrap this up then. Then from what you're saying though is if there are longer term structural issues. And does it make sense to appoint a short-term manager for this Euros rather than go and put pressure on yeah, the favorite, so. on the hypothetical favorite yeah. who's currently managing Spurs, but who I won't name? Um, <laughs> you know, it, because I, if if, if that is going to be the attitude, I mean, look, Otto Rehagel with a horrible team, 
won the Euros. That's the thing. You can win with a, a squad that's not great. As, and that's as, all people care about. Of, yeah, you've got a bit of tactical awareness. You've got a bit of um, organisational ability. It, it's called management. And, yeah, you know, it's uh, what we're going to do. Uh, well, what they're going to do. Where? Where? I shouldn't use the word where because I'm the last where in the world. <laughs> but what they're going to do in the summer, you know, they're going to send Harry there and send the boys to go over the top. You know, to um, fix bayonets. That's the only tactic. <laughs> I it? agree, Gab. I think the, the um, I think that an interim appointment is is, sens- is very, a very sensible option. Roy Hodgson. Do not ask for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for England. Well, he couldn't uh, have done much worse than Dark Leash, could he? Stop it. <laughs> I'd happily put him in Alright, alright, alright I'm going to say something to wrap this And then we'll move on Apologies for putting you all through this Time now <laughs> For some quick hits uh, Liverpool fall at Sunderland Champions League football at Anfield Looks very far away at the moment Tony, what chance is there that Kenny Dalglish will not be in charge next season And what chance that Demon Kamali Won't be around I suspect they'll both be around. Um, I, I, I think it is in question. I don't think it's 100% certain either he'll be back. But I think winning the League Cup, the Carlin Cup, um, has done enough What's for Leash. It's a trophy. You know, the things that used to be important in football before, like, the checks become the most serious thing. Let's get an open-top bus and parade our fourth-place check. Glory! <laughs> To be fair, Tony, you sent a very angry tweet about the League Cup at uh, at Liverpool at the weekend, as I recall. Yeah, no, it was a sarcastic tweet. It's um, you know because people are saying sacked out at least two weeks after he won the uh, the League Cup, and so I said, yeah, let's all storm Anfield and wreck the trophy room. Doesn't work on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sarcasm doesn't always come across. I thought you were being serious. <laughs> Ricardo Fuller seems like an amiable champ, yet this is the same guy who got into a fight with uh, uh, Andy Griffin a few years back, and so I'm not sure if that counts. And on Saturday, he figured it would be a good idea to stomp on Brano Ivanovic, duly getting sent off. Um, Ducker, uh, you've been there, no doubt. Uh, what makes a person snap like that? And please, feel free to speak from your own personal experience and times that you've snapped. Um, I used to get snapped on the football field but if I ever got snapped myself uh, if I ever snapped myself I, I'm not I can't read a full, Ricardo Fuller's mind sadly and uh, nor am I, am I his psychologist um, but I don't know some players have a shorter fuse than others and Fuller Fuller's record suggests that he uh, is prone to moments of madness so um, I, I don't really think there's much more to it than that it, it, it was it was pretty remarkable because it looked like you know for one minute, minute he's making sure Ivanovic won't have children again uh, and the next minute he's like he's like putting his hand like saying like yep sorry taking responsibility for it and you could tell he felt bad immediately he's not one of those you know dirty or, or crazy guys he's just somebody who just you know, flicks a switch I mean, it's hard to define that heat of the moment isn't it but it does there, there is split second when kind of rationality seems to go out the window and you know some players manage to control those emotions a bit better than others but others you know some, some do fail and Ricardo Fuller failed on that um, particular time Speaking of Chelsea it's two wins and two for Robbie Di Matteo um, Rory were you impressed and uh, what scenario or give me a scenario whereby Robbie D hangs on to his job next season uh, the scenario is that wins the treble that he wins the treble uh, and takes charge of England at the Euros um, no the scenario is that he gets them through in the Champions League 2-0 against Napoli uh, they 
fall at some point to, to a side who are actually quite good in Barcelona Real Madrid uh, and Arsenal collapse a little bit or Spurs collapse which is possible, very possible at the moment uh, and Chelsea sneak fourth I think in that case he might have a chance and they win the FA Cup or he could buy a really nice coat <laughs> get, get some designer stubble and start sort of making mystic pronunciations and he might trick Roman Abramovich into thinking he's Jose Mourinho I don't think Robbie Di Matteo is getting that job there you go Another unseen goal, or, or Wembley goal, as they like to call it in Germany, uh, as Clint Hill scores for QPR against Bolton, uh, but the assistant doesn't see it. Tony, you were a referee in a previous life, albeit one with a gun-toting linesman. Uh, gun-toting or heat-packing, as the kids say these days. Uh, have you heard a single compelling argument against goal line technology? And what did you make of the FA statement? I mean, there is no arguments about it. You know, it's a, you can see immediately. It's not something you have to uh, stop the game. Really, it's, you know, it's not something that you have to uh, agonise about. That sort of Hawkeye technology ball goes over the line. There's a beep. It's done. So you know, why not use it? Um, the, the FA passed the book on to FIFA. They won't let us do it. Well, go on. Have some balls. Go on. Why don't you install goal line technology and say, go ahead, kick us out of FIFA over this? <laughs> I, I, I would have thought you'd show more love for it. I thought it was a very brave and proactive statement. No, I didn't. I didn't. I thought it was just ridiculous. Uh, we had two relegation six-pointers this weekend. Uh, Blackburn winning at Wolves and QPR losing at Bolton, plus Wigan drawing against Norwich. Uh, Ducker, put your rep on the line. Which of these five teams is going down? Uh, Wigan uh, and Wolves and QPR, both of whom will deserve it for making stupid decisions to sack their managers. Tony, your suggestion is to uh, relegate all five teams all five, and go with an 18-team Premier League change the, No, change the rules just for one year and get rid of them. In fact, in fa- relegate, and don't promote anybody. Relegate everyone up to, like, about, what, I think, fifth. That would include relegating Liverpool, just so yeah. you know. Uh, you know what? I'm over it all. Tottenham lose at Everton. It's their third straight defeat, but they actually played rather well in the second half. I thought, uh, Rory Kay, you were there, so you will probably say that, no, that's not the case. They were awful. Um, now, the rest of us in the knee-jerk media just kind of blame these results on uh, the England job speculation, which we were told not to engage in. Um, but were they maybe just a bit unlucky and deserving to get more points, as Harry said? Mm, not really, no. I think... They were sort of okay first half, they were better second half, but they didn't create that many chances. And to be honest, Everton, apart from one little moment at the very end when Luis R hit the post, Everton never really looked panicked. To me, Spurs, I've seen them three times this week, I've seen all three of their defeats, they look like a side who don't have a plan. It's funny because I watched Match of the Day and they told me that Everton pressed for 90 minutes. Match of the Day lies. Um, The other thing I would say is Harry Redknapp's teams (laughs) collapse in March. Because he doesn't train them very well. Okay, enough negativity about Harry Arsenal on this show. Gabriele, one for you. I hear Mourinho finally managed to wind up Pep Guardiola. What did he say that was so offensive? Uh, well, he came out and he said, Pep Guardiola is just like me. And uh, uh, Pep, who's put up with a lot this season, um, I think that was just too much. He said, uh, well, except for the fact that we both like to win, um, I think anybody who looks at our body of work and the things we've said and done over the years will come to a slightly different conclusion. Um, I would throw in that in addition to their their love of winning, they both give off a certain metrosexual vibe. Um, although in Jose's case, that is no longer the case because I think he's, uh, he's a lot less snappy than he was uh, a few years ago. 
That's all we've got time for this week. But remember, you can go to www.thetimes.co.uk. You'll find your news, your gossip, your analysis. You can also follow us all on Twitter. We're on there. I'm on there. Rory K's on there. Ducker's on there. Uh, after a hiatus, no less. And of course, Tony Evans is on there as well. Uh, it's a privilege that you choose to spend your time with us via this podcast. So um, hope you do so again next week. Bye-bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.